I hear you chuckling because you're not sure that is the gospel of the Lord, are you? <laughs> Beloved of God, grace to you in peace from God and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus' family members were worried about him. He was spending time with the wrong sorts of people. He was getting into conflicts with the authorities. And he was building a reputation as a real troublemaker. If one of my loved ones were acting that way, I would feel worried too. To add to the stress, wherever he went, crowds followed. People were drawn to his bold voice and his power to heal. He silenced demons and cast them out. He focused attention on those who were usually ignored, the sick and the outcast. He saw them, and he shared gifts of divine healing with them. He didn't shy away from naming injustice and hypocrisy, especially when it was clothed in religious garments. He seemed fearless, but his family wasn't fearless. They were afraid he might be losing his mind. They sought to restrain him, to calm him down. I can just hear them. Relax, Jesus. You can't fix everything at once. Come home. Have a cup of tea. Take a deep breath. The religious leaders had their own read on the situation. They accused him of being demonic. No one, they argued, would so brazenly challenge the traditions and practices of God's holy temple, of God's holy people, unless he was possessed by an unholy spirit. The leaders recognized and acknowledged that Jesus had power, but they attributed that power to Satan, not God. It's a familiar move, isn't it? To demonize the truth teller? But Jesus was not intimidated. In classic debate style, he pointed out the fallacy of their argument. If I were a demon, why would I cast out demons? Can Satan cast out Satan? That doesn't make any sense. Then using the language of parables, Jesus identified his mission. He had come to name and confront the power of evil wherever he found it. To bind the strong man, as he put it, and plunder Satan's house. Now this is a strange verse, isn't it? But it's a really important one because it gives us a window into Jesus' self-understanding, into his identity. He was the one who on God's behalf told the truth about sin and evil, even when they wore fancy clothes and used holy language. He exposed the power and principalities that were not of God, especially those that claimed to be from God. Possessed by the Spirit of God, Jesus would cast out the spirits that preyed upon God's people, that caused untold suffering and damage in the human family. And in their place, he would bring the healing and the life that God desires for everyone and for all creation. It would not be a comfortable process, which is why this is not a comfortable text. 
This isn't one that we read to our children at bedtime, is it? I'm always curious when I notice that a text is making me want to distance myself from it or, or not really listen to it. This is one of these texts. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. For one, I think it's hard for modern and postmodern people to know what to do with images of Satan and demons. We are children of the Enlightenment. These ancient images and categories don't make as much sense to us, especially as they have been interpreted throughout the years in certain traditions that use them to scare and intimidate. Polite, progressive Christians tend to disengage from these conversations and these texts. But I was reminded recently of something the great theologian Karl Barth said, that when we dismiss or trivialize Satan, we run the risk of not taking evil seriously. This rings true to me, and Mark's gospel doesn't allow us that luxury. A second reason I resist this text is because it's so polarizing. So us versus them, good versus evil, which seems like the last thing we need in our society right now. And yet, Mark's gospel is all about the power of God manifest in Jesus versus the powers and principalities that are not of God. There's not a lot of gray here, and there are few soft, comfortable places to linger. But it speaks a truth that we need to hear. There are powers in this world that are not of God, and they don't show up with a red tail and horns and carry a pitchfork. Oh, that they would. It would be so easy to identify them. Jesus used this language of binding the strong man. It is this strong man power that God says no to throughout the stories of Scripture. Through Moses, God said no to the Pharaoh who enslaved people for his own gain. Through the prophets, God said no to the faithless kings of Israel who used their power for their own wealth and status and ignored those most vulnerable. In Jesus, God said no to the oppressive power of Rome that created categories of people, some worthy and some disposable. And he said no to those who claimed to speak for God, yet worked against God's purposes. Like his ancestors before him, Jesus said no to the use of power that dehumanizes. He proclaimed that this practice of power is not of God. This wasn't his only proclamation. He also announced the great good news that God is active in this world, binding this power and creating space for divine freedom and healing and salvation. These are the hallmarks of the reign of God, a dominion of self-giving love, a reign in which there are no margins to push people out to, where no person or part of God's good creation is disposable. In God's reign, it is the Spirit of God who possesses us, 
who empowers us to be who God created us to be, truly human and fully alive. Possessed by this spirit, our vision changes. We are able to see the image of God in each other, in creation, and in ourselves. Possessed by the Holy Spirit, we are given wisdom and courage to say no to strong man power, even as we are joined to that great yes that God creates for us in Christ. This pattern of no and yes is basic to the Christian life. It is set for us in baptism. In just a few minutes, little Levi Michael will be brought to the font. And those who will raise him in faith will be asked to renounce all the forces that work against God in this world. And then through water and the word, Levi will take his place in the great yes of God. He will be welcomed into this new family, the family of Christ. In this family, we seek to live together under God's rule. We listen to difficult truths. We open ourselves to repentance and forgiveness. And together, we lean into the sturdy promises of God, the promise that this world belongs to God and that God is still in charge of it, the promise that divine life is stronger than sin and evil, and that we have been joined to that life forever in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for these enduring promises that hold us together in hope. Amen. We sing together, and if you have prayer cards, just hold those up, and the ushers will gather them.